This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 15 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of Horse Radio Network. Today, we have two amazing trainers from Italy who are on tour in Germany demonstrating some remarkable liberty training with a beautiful Percheron. And we have a lifelong saddle fitter who cares for the backs of the horses and the backsides of people, too. This is Debbie Lauchs, and you're listening to Horsemanship Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 15th and the 30th of the month. And I have my producer, Glenn, with me here today. Hi, Glenn. Hi, Debbie. How are you doing today? I am terrific. Good. I am so glad to have you on because I we've had Jen the last couple of weeks and we've just it's been girls' weeks. It's been yeah. really fun. <laughs> but you know, girl girls, we all love the beautiful Percherons and we love liberty. By the way, training. that's my favorite breed. Just throw that. Oh, in is it? Yeah, is I owned it? Percherons before. Oh, uh, I didn't yeah, know big that. Black, big black mare Percherons. Those are my favorites right there. Well, driving. Did you drive? Drive them we or did rode you? them, actually. Yep. Uh, we never had a carriage for the Percherons, but we rode them. And, and you, Jennifer used to give lessons on them. The last one we had was 18 and a half hands and weighed over oh. a ton. Oh, and my. He was a huge boy. And she used to give lessons on him with little five-year-old kids. Is that? Because he was so quiet. He's the quietest horse we had. So. Yeah. <laughs> they one. would sit up there and laugh and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm on top of a building. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Their little legs were all stretched out straight to the side. Oh, <laughs> right. It's like a fell well. Uh, yeah, they're beautiful horses. And I think the origins is that, um, are over in Holland. They were they pulled the big wagons, yep. you know, big, heavy, uh, leaning into it, you well, know. But in the United States, Pertrons in the turn of the 19th, eighth, late 18th, uh, early 19th century were, more, were the most prominent draft horse here. Mm. Uh, people think it was the Belgians, but that's not true. It was the Percherons were more prominent than any other breed. Uh, so they kind of died off World War One and World War Two. A lot of them were shipped over for World War One, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they weren't replenished. And then the cars came along and, you know, they didn't need the big draft horses like that anymore. So, uh, and then other breeds started to come in like the, like the, uh, the Clydesdales and the Belgians and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the Percheron recently has made a resurgence, but yeah, uh, big black, uh, Percheron's my favorite. Big black Percherons. And they're, um, and they're gentle giants too, aren't they? Like the, I mean, it's got that draft in them that they're very quiet, but they're athletic though, too. I mean, I, I've watched dad on a couple of long lines do figure eights in a round pen with a Percheron. It's just amazing. They're beautiful. And, um, there is, uh, from Italy, we've got this trainer on today that, uh, is using a Percheron in his Liberty training and he's on tour with that. And, uh, how much Liberty training have you seen? Just kind of the uh, trade shows? Quite a shows bit, or? actually. Trade yeah. shows and, and events. Uh, Guy McLean, of course, is a friend of the Horse Radio Network mm-hmm. and has become very popular here in the United States with his, with his show where he, you know, he brings his Australian horses up and has four or five of them in the ring at a time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. And does some amazing things with them. And, and boy, you have to admire anybody who can have four horses do something in unison when you're not touching them. I mean, that's That's just, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and there are Liberty trainers. The one thing that um, I like to look for, and I know that uh, this is this is a bottom line for Dad, too, is you watch the ears, you watch the attitude, the demeanor, and you can tell a happy horse 
from one that's really just been been put through the paces. So if you're looking for a good Liberty trainer, look to his horse about their soft eye and their willingness, you know, um, just to be a puppy out there with you and and enjoy the paces that you do. Um, You know, there are there's wonderful ways to do Liberty training. And of course, anybody who's looking at Liberty training, maybe for the first time after listening to this, and I hope you do, um, it really is just a form of training a horse without all the trappings of saddles and bridles and bits, and getting yeah. and bits and doing yeah. those things um, without a lot of equipment. And um, there, we have a, a friend of ours. Uh, his name is Florian Oberpoliter. Couldn't make that up, right? <laughs> Florian Oberpoliter, and he's from Austria. And he came over a few years ago and said to Dad, you know. Um, how could I get you to endorse what I do in liberty training? He said, if you can lose the whip, uh, you know, even though he was just using it as a cue, lose that. So people never are tempted to, to train with the whip um, in the wrong way. Uh, then, you know, come back and show me what you got. And we used him on the Equus Online University because he's such a great example of liberty training. And Marco is now on tour with dad in Germany. And uh, again, uh, threw away the whip, doesn't use any of that stuff, didn't, and started the horses from scratch. Uh, no uh, treat training or any of that. Um, yeah, and you'll hear more from him. I think it'd be really fun, but I was just curious. That, um, well, the as- other thing, too, uh, you know, I, I have an ac- acting background. So um, one of the things that I think about the Liberty horses, the ones that are truly, really good at it, is you will see their showmen. Um, those horses like performing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they wouldn't do it if they didn't. But but you know they like doing it. They eat. They eat. And you other thing you'll notice about a lot of the Liberty horses, they just get their energy from the crowd. And it, and a true showman does, whether human or animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just like it. I mean, the ones that you see that are really good at it like it. They like showing off. They like doing what they're doing. Yeah, they know that, you know, they're generous animals. Uh, horses are generous animals, and they know they're doing right when they get that positive, just like people, too. So it'll And be I fun. think, you know, I, I don't know what you believe, but I do believe that horses, dogs, not cats. I we'll take cats out of the picture. But uh, <laughs> horses and dogs, you know, they take that energy from the crowd. They, that affects them, too. Sure. Um, and, and I believe in a positive way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I stay away from the anthropomorphism. I, I, you know, if they were looking for the, you know, the trophy at the end of the day, then I'd say, no, that's probably too far. But, you know, but, uh, but, <laughs> but that energy in the room, you know, yes. we talk about energy. Sure. You know, of course, in a, in a stadium like that, there's a lot of energy. And yes. I do think that the animals, you know, I don't, do they know necessarily why they're taking that? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> But, I think but, they read they they're, they're, they read our intentions really well, and when they know that um, what they're doing is getting positive from us, I think that positive intention. And of course, is, people so. clapping and cheering and you know hooting and hollering is positive. So you know they're they're getting that energy from the audience. Yeah. But, yeah. Interesting. Well, good. So we're going to get on to today's um, show, and I think that people are going to love these people when they're all done. So up next, we have Ron Friedson, a saddle and boot designer. After this, from Index Fund Advisors. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts' Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. (laughs) You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. 
The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Ron Friedson is a saddle designer who started sweeping floors in his family's saddle shop when he was just five. He learned to make saddles from a German saddle maker and then later from a Colombian who had trained in England. Growing up, in addition to the saddlery, his family had a riding school. He has multiple patents for his saddle design, and he works as a consultant to multiple manufacturers of saddles. And he teaches riding instructors as well. Welcome, Ron Friedson. Thank you for honoring us with your knowledge today. Ron, how are you? Doing very well, Debbie. Are you having a good day? We are. We're a beautiful day in Southern California. Surprise. Surprise, surprise. Well, you know, it's nice. It's nice here, too. So once in a while, we luck out. Good. That, you're in beautiful Connecticut. Isn't that right? We are. We are. We're in Connecticut. We're about an hour from New York City. We are in the heart of hunter-jumper country for many years. Probably 90% of the equestrian team came within ten, grew up within 10 miles of, of where I'm sitting, and now it's probably 30 miles. Mm, good, so, yeah. You grew up in, in a family of horse people, didn't you? Th- that is correct. My family's been in the horse business forever. My uh, grandmother rode side saddle very successfully. Ah. Um, and my father has been a riding instructor, or was, that's dead now, but was a riding instructor for many years. Um, he learned from a, a German uh, cavalry instructor uh, when he was in military school in Florida. And later, after the Second World War, he was stationed in Europe uh, and was at the Hochschule, um, the Spanish Riding School. So, Interesting background then. So we have people on here that just love horses and that are uh, helping to improve the state of horsemanship by making it better every day. And I know that you're definitely on our list for that. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, one of the things that comes up in our barn all the time is about selecting the correct saddle. And usually we're talking about the horses, um, almost always, really, unfortunately. We probably should consider the people more. I know you're more holistic. Uh, you have a, a method of integrating the, the size, the shape of the horse, and the rider, yes? That's huge. It's actually probably the one of the major reasons when people say, I can't ride properly, or I'm not learning, or my horse isn't performing, and the saddle fits me and the saddle fits my horse, well, individually, possibly, yes. Together, no. The mm. single obvious example is just take the leg angle, and it doesn't really, really matter if we're talking English or Western here. Uh, if you have a rider who is five foot two, yeah. and I put you on a 15-hand slender thoroughbred horse, mm-hmm. your legs are going to hang naturally much straighter then I put you on a 17 three-hand, mostly draft. Mm-hmm. And one of the core things that you must do is to integrate the possible angles for the rider's legs with what the rider wants to do with the ability to give the horse the signals 
so the horse does what's requested, mm-hmm. uh, and integrating it all together, sure. uh, adding that the size and shape and condition of a horse. Uh, perfect example here, and we'll stay with our five foot two rider for another moment. Okay. If I put that rider, and let's see, the rider is doing dressage uh, as an easy start, and then we'll pick the same rider through the different disciplines, English and Western, mm-hmm. on the t- on so I'll say three different horses. So I put that rider on a fifteen hand slender thoroughbred horse. That rider is going to be able to have their leg in a straighter, what's so-called modern Western equitation or modern dressage leg, because they're both very, very close, Um, and still be able to keep the tenant of the spine being soft, still be able to keep the key point of riding on their hip pockets or riding on their rear end. Mm -hmm. Take that same rider, and to accomplish that fact on that horse, we can have the width of the seat at the twist area and the fresh people's memories, the twist is the generic term for the triangle from your knee to your crotch to your knee at a modern, normal, narrow twist. And it really wouldn't matter if it was English or Western. The rider's going to be comfortable and carry that leg. Okay. Now, take that same exact saddle, same exact rider, and let's move that rider up to that 17 three-hand, mostly draft, European warm-blood horse. Yeah. Or that simultaneously old-style fat bulldog quarter horse. Okay. Both have a, a much wider, flatter plane. Right. Now, if that same rider, everything else being the same, adjust the saddle to fit that horse, now that rider can no longer have the same leg position. It's really mathematically not possible because you're losing a couple of inches of leg going laterally. Now, if you don't make that allowance, the rider ends up rolling forward onto their crotch and getting an arch in their back. And, of course, once the back is arched, the spine is stiff, there's no shock absorber, and everything falls downhill from there. (laughs) So you've got to go and say, what do we do in that situation? Well, you have two options that you can do depending on what you want to accomplish. Uh, one direction is the rider has to shorten their leg and put more bend in their knee. Mm-hmm. The other option is you raise the saddle physically higher from the horse's back. And again, it wouldn't make it a difference if this is English or Western. Mm-hmm. You raise the saddle higher from the horse's back, and now your angle becomes slimmer again. Of course, what happens here is there's a more bulk between the horse and rider, and there's less of the rider's leg on the horse. Mm-hmm. But you must look at these as conscious decisions. Okay. And that's very, very important that they are conscious decisions. Because then you know what you're adjusting. Um, I'm going to step back for just a second and put my riding instructor hat on. Okay. <laughs> um, in my other life, I don't really teach my students, but I teach teachers. And I work with teachers with students who need to get to the next level for whatever reason. Uh, we all know that gets to a point of teaching anything where the instructor looks at the rider and they look back at each other and they go, we have this problem and we haven't been able to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I wear the hat of going in and saying, let's find a drill or an exercise to fix this problem. I see. Okay, good. So, yeah. going, t- taking that knowledge for a moment, one of the core things that riders have to 
do, going back to the whole saddle sitting exercise, is you work from the seat up to your shoulders and then down to your legs. And they've got to make sure, as I say, the Western Express is sitting in your hip pockets and English is sitting in your rear end. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. So they can sit relaxed and soft. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the flags that's going to come up, uh, particularly when you take, your again, this petite rider, um, and you're, you're going to get the expression, oh, now that rider's sitting in a chair seat. Mm-hmm. Now, that's really a fallacy. And it's one when they're looking for a saddle, people have to look out for. Okay. You've got to sit correctly. That is your be-all and end-all. And then if you are doing Western equitation or you're doing dressage, you'll bring your lower leg back as straight as it can be without rotating you onto your, your pelvis. Okay. Or rotating forward on your crotch. Mm-hmm. Because that's just the way you're built on that horse. And it's very important that riders do not get themselves psyched into looking like some other rider. They go and say, well, here's this person or that person, mm-hmm. and I should look like them. No. Uh, the holistic approach, which is really the old Calvary School approach, mm-hmm. uh, it's nothing new, it's rather something very, very old, is you must match what your body will do. Um, those of us who are over 39 know that our bodies don't work quite the same way they did when we were 19. A lot of us, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's very, very important. And I'm going to give a, a, another riding instructor flag here. Pretty much any signal or movement you want the horse to do mm-hmm. has been done by circus horses with no rider, has been done by riders side saddle, has been done with riders without legs mm-hmm. or without hands. Mm-hmm. So there's no particular need to say that your leg needs to be in a certain spot or location to give a horse the cues to make a horse do a certain task. Um, there's always ways to develop cues, side saddle being the obvious. Well, there's no leg on one side. But there are certainly plenty of side saddle dressage riders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the point is, fit your body. And then you can train your horse to adapt to the cues that you're capable of giving or add a whip as necessary to replace a leg. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I hear people um, talk about, but not very often, to tell you the truth, is the difference between a, a woman's pelvis and a man's pelvis um, that we're tipped differently. So since we're into the conversation on tipping, um, how do you address that? Um, that's a great marketing scheme, but it's mostly BS. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, 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 the, the simple example is I defy you to take 10 women to the mall, all who wear size, the same size mm-hmm. and defy and ask them all to wear the same pair of blue jeans. Right. That's it's true. Just, We're all going to fit differently, but isn't the pelvic, I'm talking about the men and women. The the, pelvic the, it, yeah. No, it, here's, no. here's. It's conceptually, if you have two people, everything else being equal. Okay. I emphasize that sentence. Yes, but okay. you could say there's a difference. Okay. But remember, you're really sitting on the meat underneath your bones. All right. Okay. Okay? Or so lack thereof, yeah. Or lack thereof. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Um, 
take a given rider, exactly rider X, and let's put that rider in marathon condition. Okay, rock yeah. hard muscled, but yeah. absolutely not an ounce of extra fat. Right. That rider's bones are going to be X distance off a horse. Right. Take that exact same rider uh-huh. at the same weight, just from lack of eating, lack of exercise. Oh, yeah. Somebody who's okay. not fat, skinny, uh-huh. but no exercise. When that rider sits, the bones are going to push down into the meat differently. Yeah, yeah. Now, take that same rider and ship them over to grandma's house for six months. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. You know, homemade country food, three days over three, three meals a day. <laughs> okay. Scotty? Yeah. 20 pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. All in the backside and thighs. Okay. T- totally different sets of angles. Yeah. Uh, we're being an hour from New York City over the years have fit lots and lots of models. And I cringe every time we have one because they're so difficult. Be- uh-huh. Not because they're difficult people, uh-huh. but they have so little meat on their bones. Yeah, that's right. That it's a nightmare um, to find something that doesn't rub and without being in delicate, in, you know, in delicate places. Yeah, right. You may be the only person who says that's a nightmare. Most us women are going, yeah, okay, all right. So, so how do you get a saddle that, you know, so this guy goes to grandma's house and he gains 20 pounds. We'll say it's a guy. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> well, and he, it, get, it, he gets soft. So now, now what does he do? Does he have to buy a new saddle, Ron? Well, here's what you have to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, let's assume, because it really depends where you do it. If you're like me and it comes around the middle, it's not a big deal. It's awkward to ride with, but it's. Uh, <laughs> but let's suppose that the weight ends up in your seat and thighs. Okay. Okay. And so he's now lifted you further off the horse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's going to do a couple of things. Um, effectively, it's going to make your bones feel like you have a narrower twist. Mm-hmm. Because the angle from your bones on either side will not have to be as wide going down. Right. Now, that's assuming we haven't gotten to the obese level where there's gobs of fat on the inside of your thighs. That yeah, let's not knees. go there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we'll take a mid-range. Good. We'll, t- we'll take a mid-range. Okay. So that's really going to be less of an issue mm-hmm. as long as the saddle was big enough to begin with. Um, okay. and we'll, I get, and I'm just going to go to one side there for just a second. Um, last week, I was in Wellington. Mm-hmm. And we're working on a saddle fitting video uh, with Nelson Pessoa and uh, Pierre Jacquelaire from PJ Saddles and Pessoa Saddles. Excellent. And it was interesting because the producer asked this question, you know, what's the, what are your hardest fitting issues for saddles? Mm-hmm. And it was like, we're all in queue. The number one is people buy them too small. And the number two queue is they put them too far back on their horse. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Those were the two. So going back to your seat size, 20 pounds extra is not really going to be really an issue. Okay. Uh, you know, 50 pounds, that's a different exercise. Okay. All right. Uh, so, so there's some flexibility in this whole oh, Absolutely. It's actually, and here's to our next point, it's actually not the rider's weight that's your first filter. Okay. It's the front to back distance of your hip bones and pelvic bones. Front to back of your hip and pelvic. Okay. Okay. When you're sitting. And of course, you could have identical twins. They could be different. 
age, exercise, muscle tone, women having children, Mm -hmm. all those things can affect that. There must be a large enough front-to-back plane of the saddle so you can sit comfortably in the flat plane. Now, in Western saddles, in many cases, it's much easier. Yeah. Because there's a flat plane and then a straight rise in the back, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So if you're hitting in front, you know it's too small and you just go bigger. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. In English saddles, Mm -hmm. it's unfortunately much easier to go too small Mm -hmm. because there's less of a defined seating area. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you advise people or just caution people about that to look caution people. If there's a question, Mm -hmm. you're going to go bigger. Um, Going back to the skinny model issue, which also is common with, you know, teenage boys, you run into this all the time. Okay. Right. And and, and young girls is that the bones have grown, but there's no meat yet. Mm Mm-hmm. And then people try to put them in too small a seat and then compensate with a larger flap. Yeah. Uh, As opposed to realizing you've got to fit the front to back distance. The, uh, imagine how you sit on a horse bareback. Like if you sit in a horse bareback, to give you an idea of how much space you really need on the flat plane, Mm -hmm. a good trick is just sit on a comfortable horse bareback, Mm -hmm. take a little piece of tape, put it in front of your crotch, put another piece of tape behind your backside. Okay. Okay. And have somebody else do it because if you do it yourself, when you turn to twist, you're going to lift your backside off the saddle. Ah, okay. And measure that distance. That makes sense. And that's going to tell you how long your front to back plane needs to be. Good. Okay. I like that tip. I'd like to jump. There's just, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I would love to jump about to the subject of horses as well, because I know that you, you hit both of these sides of this. Uh, staying in shape, the rider's shape, and the horse's shape as well. That you, you've uh, talked to me about how a private horse, um, a lightly worked private horse, is going to be different than a you know a muscled Grand Prix horse. And uh, are, are what what are the, some of the concepts there that you huge, huge issues there? Yeah. Um, when you have a horse who's in training, um, English, Western, saddle seat, Europe, America, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. When you have a horse who's in training and is well-worked, heavily exercised, and kept t- at the top level of athleticism, they're actually generally comparatively easy to fit because you have a comparatively flat back. You may or may not have withers, but you really don't have a whole lot of the fitting issues in most cases because everything's muscled. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take a pleasure horse who gets three hours of work a week mm-hmm. and probably not high-level work, mm-hmm. that horse, the number one problem that you have is you end up with hollows behind the shoulders or a dip in the horse's back or unevenness because the horse is worked more around to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. When you have these issues, you've got to think about it logically that we're fitting these specific issues. And I'll kind of start with the ones that pop up the most important and then you know, work our way down the list depending on which time we have. Probably the single biggest problem uh, that shows up are horses who don't have muscle tone behind the shoulders. 
So the saddles have a tendency to fall into a dip or a hollow. Okay. Now, the problem there is riders have a tendency to fit the saddle into the hollow, which exasperates the problem. I see. Okay. To make the saddle too narrow and too far back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you have to do in these cases is three steps, and again, it's a very old solution, but it's the correct solution. First, you use a saddle pad that will fill in the hollows. There's a lot of them made out there with pockets of different sorts. And the way you can check to make sure you've got the base correct is once the saddle pad is on, take a carpenter's level and run it from the shoulder to the end of the saddle pad or where the end of the saddle will be on each side. Okay. That plane should basically be level, or if there's padding in the middle to allow for the padding to compress, it should be slightly higher in the middle. Gotcha. Second, make sure in those cases that you either get a saddle pad that already has rings on the front of it to the breast collar, Mm -hmm. uh, or that the saddle pad is not going to slide back. That just depends on kind of a horse-by-horse case. Mm Mm-hmm. Then once you put your saddle on, your saddle is now laying on top of a level plane. All right. And if you, get to, if you start with your saddle far enough forward, and again, with those horses, you definitely want a breast collar on the saddle as well. What I recommend is a lot of breast collars out there that are made with two straps on either side. Mm-hmm. Or you can rig one up sometimes if you already have one. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that keeps everything in place. And that just cuts down about 90% are your most common fitting problems, particularly this time of year after such a long winter. Okay. Uh, well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I, I, um, I think there's a lot of people that are um, confused these days about the, the issue of saddle fitting, uh, um, both for the horse and for the person. And I will put in the show notes your website up there, too, and uh, sure. the ability to get a hold of you so that people can ask questions. But I would love to have you back and um, have you give us some tips on some of these things. I know your experience and your, um, your lifelong um work at this uh, continues on today, and we'd love to learn more from you. Would you Would you come back and give us some tips? Sure, we could do this uh, every couple of weeks for the summer, if you like. It's not a problem. Ah, there you go. Okay, you'll keep me busy. Uh, that would, you know, that's a realistic way to kind of keep it in digestible. Yeah, great. In, in, in digestible chunks, and maybe you can have some of your radio people um, or website people email in and say, I have this problem or that problem, and oh, we thanks can do for that. that offer. We, we, we can, you know, we could do it as a Q&A. Very good. Thanks for that offer. And thank you, Ron Friedson, for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio. Next up, we have Christiana Muller and Marco. After this, from Monty. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from join up to advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse, too. Marco Paglio is a horse trainer and a riding instructor from Toscana, Italy, who is starting and training horses in his own riding facility using different nonviolent methods. After studying Monty's concepts, Joining him in California and taking courses from Monty Roberts certified instructor Christiana Muller, 
Marco's Liberty Training demonstrates that it is possible to train horses and have fun in this way without violence. Welcome, Marco and Christiana from Germany today. How are you? We're good. We're very good. Bene, bene. <laughs> bene, bene. Good, Marco. Thank you. Marco is from Italy. Christiana is originally from Germany, but living in Italy now and has a school there. So we're real excited to catch up with them as they're on the tour road with, with Monty right now in Germany, Leverkusen right now, right, Christiana? Yes, we're at Leverkusen right now. We're having the fourth demonstration tomorrow evening. Fantastic. And they've all been sold out, I hear. Yes, yes, they're all sold out, yes. Fabulous, fabulous. And we want to know what that emotion is happening from uh, the onslaught that's going on on Facebook. I understand this is Marco's first trip on tour with Monty. Yes, it is. It's the first, the first time that he's traveling to Germany with his horses and the very first time that he's on tour with Monty Roberts. Yes, that's right. Well, congratulations. That's, that's quite an honor and, and quite exciting. Christiana, how many tours do you think you've been on? How many events do you think you've attended in the past? Well, I'm traveling now since 2008 with Monty, and I've been in, ooh, I think I've been in, yeah, I don't know, about 10, 11 yeah, I, I was thinking probably a dozen myself. Yeah, very good. So you're an experienced one. Tell me a little bit about the difference with having Marco on tour with this Liberty training. We'll, we'll explain to the listeners what Marco does in a minute, but tell me about the emotions. Tell me how it's different on tour with Marco there. It's, I must say it's so different on tour, being, having Marco with us, and it's brilliant, and we are all so happy to have Marco with us because we can finally show that the concept of join up is not only it's not only about starting horses it's not only about training horses or retraining remedial horses it's also about that you can show the liberty training with the concept of join up that you can train and condition your horse with the language of horses with a talking equus and that you can have happy horses even if you ask them to to do circus exercises and marco could prove that with his horse in each demonstration so far, and the audience is, is impressed, really impressed. Great. I'd love to hear from Marco. If he could explain or define for us, us listeners, what liberty training is. Il lavoro di libertà è ho iniziato a usarlo solo per dimostrare come poter instaurare un legame col cavallo che unico basato proprio su, sull'amicizia, sulla, sulla felicità. Marco is saying that he has started to work in liberty with his horses to show people that you can have a real connection, a real relation with your horse, even if, you have, if your horse is loose without a line, that you can still have a good, good connection with your horse. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference maybe between liberty training and trick or circus training? Nel lavoro, in libertà, ci deve, nel lavoro in libertà ci deve essere molta più partecipazione, non c'è mai la costrizione. Nel lavoro che faccio io vediamo proprio che il cavallo è felice di lavorare con me, è, diciamo, ha un atteggiamento molto giocoso. Marco is saying that the liberty work it's, it's different from the work like in the circus because you need to really communicate with your horse, you need to have a happy horse, you need to have a really good connection with your horse and you're not obliging your horse to do all that exercises. You need to teach your horse to want to do it. That sounds wonderful. How do you do that? 
Cristiana. E lei chiede come lo fai? Ecco, noi faccio, ci vuole appunto, sicuramente mi ha aiutato molto a usare, uh, conoscere concetti di Monty Roberts. He's saying, like, the first thing it's important, of course, to know the language of horses, to know about the concepts of join up. E poi sicuramente ci vuole la passione e la voglia di instaurare un rapporto unico basato proprio sulla fiducia e sulla, sulla voglia di, di, di stare insieme e di divertirsi. And he says you definitely need to have the passion, you need to be passionate about it to create this bond of trust with your horse. Fantastic. So give us a visual. What what are we seeing when we see Marco in the round pen with nothing on the horse, just he and and the horse? What does he do out there? Secondo me possiamo bene possano ben vedere la la come si dice, la partecipazione che ha che ha il cavallo insieme a me, la confidenza il, il linguaggio, eh, che, proprio la comunicazione che riusciamo a instaurare insieme, è un legame molto, molto stretto e che secondo me tutte le persone riescano a, a capire che non, è, che non c'è una costrizione, che non c'è una, un obbligo. You can see that the horse is really participating with him in that demonstration, that it's a dialogue, that it's a communication, where the horse is really feeling connected with him, and people can see that the horse is not obliged to do all that. He's not forced to do it. He's, so he, he is, uses no pain, no punishment whatsoever in his training? No, 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 punizione, violenza, violenza, assolutamente no perché dopo si andrebbe proprio a rompere quel, quel legame particolare che, c'è, che, che è fondamentale per uh, fare un certo tipo di lavoro. He's saying that there's definitely no violence involved because you would destroy, you would definitely destroy the connection with the horse, the relation with the horse, and it's fundamental that you have a good relation with your horse, that the horse is trusting you. So some of the things that uh, Marco does, does he does he lie the horse down on the ground? Yes, sì, sì. faccio diversi esercizi, fra cui anche sì, di di sdraiarlo per terra. Eh, devo dire che fra tutti gli esercizi è proprio il più difficile quello, perché mh, il cavallo è molto il mio stallone è molto pauroso e il fatto di sdraiarsi totalmente è proprio con, con tantissima gente in quel modo intorno a sé, è molto lo metta a dura prova, bisogna proprio avere tanta tanta fiducia in me. He's saying that one of the exercises is like you said that he's laying the horse down, he's asking the horse to lay down and this is one of the most difficult exercises for his horse because being in the arena with 2000 or 1500 people ah. and maybe also some movements in the audience It's, it's difficult for the stallion, but he is, he's trusting him, and so he's laying down and, and doing that for him because he wants to and he's trusting. I see. So there's, there's a thousand eyeballs or more watching him, and that's a very, that's a confidence level that you don't easily achieve in a horse, much less a stallion, right? Exactly, exactly. Exactly, this is what he's saying. It's, it's so difficult in the audience, in, in a show, to ask the horse to lay down. Exactly. Mm. And he's happy to. So, and it, does he ride the horse, Christiana? 
Yes, he's also riding the horse in the demonstration without a bridle, without a saddle. And for example, for getting on the horse, he's asking the horse to move to the mounting block. And she's doing it. <laughs> ah, right, right. So he doesn't use any ropes or hobbles in, in training or in the demonstration? No, uso la, la longe proprio di, di, di Monti, perché magari mi può aiutare a, a farmi un po' più grande in certe situazioni. Sì. He's using, the only thing in the demonstration he's using is the long line of Monty Roberts. And he needs that just in case the horse is getting distracted, so he can ask um, for his attention again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th I've seen that. That's right. That makes good sense. Well, I just checked a few moments ago, and I know that you posted some photos up there from the tour. People can go on the Facebook page of Monty Roberts or Christiana Moeller and see them. But I just wanted to let you know that so far, over 100,000 people have seen those photos since since we put them up yesterday. And there's nearly a 1,000 likes on there, um, and there's over 100 lovely comments on there as well. So it's obviously, it strikes a chord for people to watch this. Why do you think watching this brings out so much emotion in us? It's probably because, to me, they can see the spirit of the cavallo, la voglia di, di, di essere insieme a me, la voglia di avere un legame particolare per, per poter andare avanti. Marco is saying that he thinks that people really can see the spirit in the horse and that the horse really wants to do all this exercise, that the horse mm. wants to have this bond with Marco and wants to stay with him. Mm, that's nice. That's beautiful. Uh, is there... Um, is there an evolution that's taken place since Marco has been exposed to your teaching, Christiana, and Monty's concepts? Has he evolved in his training, or is this something that he's, he's used all along? No, io, io già, già lavoravo prima eh, in libertà, però devo dire che proprio quando ho conosciuto Christiana c'è stata proprio una svolta molto netta, c'è stato un miglioramento che mi ha portato molto più avanti in poco tempo, proprio a rafforzare un tipo di legame ancora migliore di quello che avevo prima. Marco is saying that he was already before meeting me and knowing about the concept of join up or meeting Monty in person, he was working his horse in liberty and he was asking his horses to certain exercises. But he says that when he learned about the concept of join-up, when he learned really in depth about the language of horses, he, his horses got so much more happy horse, got, got so much more happy because mm -hmm. they really understood what he is asking because it was based about the language of horses. Fantastic. Good. So if, if I'm a horse owner and I'm a listener and I wanted to learn more about liberty training, I've seen some that, you know, maybe use... Um, feeding from the hand or they maybe use some hobbles or something and I don't want to do that. How would I learn more um, of what Marco does? Una delle cose più difficili è proprio cercare di capire il, il pensiero proprio del cavallo, cosa, le sensazioni, le emozioni del cavallo. Allora quando iniziamo a, a capire, a comprendere quello che pensa, quello che sta provando il cavallo in un determinato momento, pro, possiamo addestrare il cavallo, possiamo allora lavorare in un preciso momento, chiederle, fargli una precisa domanda, il cavallo avrà una risposta 
molto chiara e molto sicura. He says that you need to understand your horse, you need to know about his emotions, about his thoughts, and you need to learn about reading your horse, how to read your horse, and only then it's possible to train your horse, to train your horse and understand the questions he's asking you, that you are able to give the right answers in the way that the horse understands you. Okay. And does Marco teach these things, or Christiana, do you teach these things as well? Is there a place to go on the Internet? Or um, if somebody wanted to, I, I guess I can't be creative enough to think about all the different things that Marco, Marco does and, uh, and makes look beautiful. But I'd love to play with my horse more and love to try some of these things. So if we have the foundation and the, and the right attitude, then where do we go to get creative? Sì, sì, sì. Eh, non certo, infatti ora da, proprio da poco tempo abbiamo eh, iniziato a organizzare dei corsi proprio insieme a cristiane, proprio eh, sviluppando un lavoro in libertà sempre basato su concetti di Monty Roberts e quello è una cosa molto importante. Eh, siamo agli inizi di, questa, di questo percorso, però vediamo che la gente è molto interessata a, 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 a a riuscire a instaurare questo, questo tipo di legame. Bello. He says that we actually started only a short time ago talking about this, that we want to really teach that what he is doing. And so mm. we started you know, a program that people need to book first the basic courses about the language of the horse. So they book it with me because, um, yeah, I'm instructor, Monte instructor in Italy. Okay. And now we are setting up courses in autumn. This will start for the very first time that we offer courses about the work in liberty. And so people, after having learned the basic language of horses, they can immediately then step in and learn the basic about the work in liberty. But this is just the beginning. This is the beginning in the end because we just started just, yeah, last year. Yeah. Set up these courses. Everything is very new to us, but we are happy about it. Fantastic, you guys. We're so pleased to have you then, uh, kind of at the beginning of a revolution. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. And we'll have in the show notes your website so that people can find you and see a bit more. And I hope they'll follow along on Facebook and see the beautiful photos that you've added up there and, and all the people's comments that were actually watching it live and enjoying it themselves. So I do appreciate having you both here. I know it's late at night over there in Germany, and I appreciate you taking the time after a, a long day to share with us. We want to thank you. We really, really enjoy that, that people get more and more interested about it, that people see that all this is possible if you just learn, first of all, the language of horses, and then they can see what else you can do, what else you can reach with your horse when you know more about your horse. So we are very excited about, about this. Next up, we have our trainer's tip from racetrack trainer, Sean McCarthy. Thanks, Sean McCarthy, for coming back and giving us a little bit more of your horsemanship wisdom. We'd love to hear more from you about what you um, think about the future of horsemanship. And, and a young person maybe getting into the industry might want to hear from you. I think uh, for young people out there who want to get into the racing industry, the, one, the first thing early on is to is to learn basic horse mastership, um, and that would include anything you know. If you're young and fortunate enough to be growing up on a ranch or something like that, then obviously that will be the start of it. But if you're a, an inner city kid or a suburban kid, 
you know, get involved with FFA and 4-H and those kind of things and, and, and get a basic good sense of horse mastership. And as you continue on, I would really suggest, especially today, we to go right on to university and to college and get all that. I, really, I know when I was young, I, was, I knew what I wanted to do, and that's what I was going for. I wasn't worried about college. And college wasn't my thing, really, but I would say today it's, it's definitely important to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many programs out there in great universities that, that do apply to this industry um, in different facets, whether it's media or, or equestrian or whatever. So, you know, look into those things and then get yourself surrounded by good people. You know, make try to get around the best people you can uh, and learn from them, obviously, and, and surround yourself with the best people in whatever avenue you decide to go through. And, and, and I think that would be, that's the best tip I can give you. Those things lead into great things because you, you acquire relationships along the way. And like any business, those relationships will parlay in the future for you and, 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 and help you succeed down the road. So I think that would be my biggest point. I think that's a great tip. I, we started the Monty's Equus Online University just for that reason, because we believe that there should be any more young people are looking online or they're they're going to uh, the colleges now to get that breadth and depth of horsemanship skills and, and science behind the skills. There's so much science in horsemanship these days with feeding and um, physiology. And uh, we, we, we would love to have you on Equus Online University because uh, we've got now up there uh, every conceivable discipline, I think. And it, it is for this reason we knew going into the cloud and streaming it. So um, if you will, I would love to have you join us because we want to supply what you believe those young people need to learn from you and get into that industry. Well, I'm sure love to do it. If we get the chance one day, Debbie, that would be a lot of fun. Sure would love to well, do that. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Okay, well, good luck at the races today. We wish you well. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting new friends, both two-legged and four-legged, in May, when he hosts his certified instructors from around the world, and then on May 31, 2014, he will do his Night of Inspiration. Monty and Pat will host in, at their farm in Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California, and limited spaces available at this point. So please call in soon to um, admin at montyroberts.com or 805-688-6288. And we've made it sort of a bucket list weekend so that the very next day, Sunday, June 1, we have our Life Lessons Workshop at Flag is Up Farms as well. And that is based on The Man Who Listens to Horses. So if you were inspired that by that book, we use this as a, uh, an exploratory life lessons for your own life. And on August 4 through 8, Monty's Special Training. This is, I think, our 10th year anniversary for the Monty Special Training at Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California. What's Monty's Special Training? You know, he does so many different things that we didn't know what to call it anymore, and we just started (laughs) calling it Monty's Special Training. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It's five days, though, where he takes a multitude of horses with all these different issues, or some just have never been started, some untouched, frankly. And uh, 
he just works one after another. But the, the cool thing is usually when people see him on tour, I've seen him demonstrating, they see him work with a horse for 30 or 45 minutes. This way he can take even more fractious horses or, uh, you know, bigger issues and work with them over five days. So you really see an amazing transition from day one, Monday, all the way to day Friday. Um, in August this last year, we took a an endurance horse, this beautiful athlete who had never been started, um, but was really bred and they bought, paid a lot of money for this horse too, Liger, to become a, a race endurance horse. And Liger took his first saddle on the first day and we had him coming out of the starting gate on the fifth day. Amazing. Slowly, it was all incrementally done, but it's an amazing transition that people get to see. And we have people come from all over the world. It's just cool. It, it's like camp when it breaks up. You don't want to leave. Cool. Very good. <laughs> that sounds like fun. It is. For details about today's show, go to uh, horsemanshipradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. And as always, we love your feedback. Debbie likes to hear from you, and I do too. Yeah. Please follow us on Facebook under facebook.com slash Roberts and Twitter at twitter.com slash Roberts. And the easiest way to listen to the shows is on the Horse Radio Network phone app. You can uh, take your smartphone, an iOS or Android, and go to the App Store, search for Horse Radio Network, download the app. It's free and it's easy, and you can listen to all 11 shows on the Horse Radio Network, and it's the simplest way to do it. Mm-hmm. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.